It was Governor Mario Cuomo who said you campaign in poetry and you govern in prose. We are going to focus more on the second part of that equation in this next hour. Our guest in the studio is the former Maryland governor, Martin O'Malley, who was governor of the state of Maryland from 2007 to 2015. Before that, he was the mayor of Baltimore from 1997 to 2007. He writes, sometimes positive change is hard to perceive when it is happening close to you. You won't see it proclaimed across the 24-7 breaking news tickers, but a new and better way of governing is emerging across our country. If a lack of trust is the greatest political challenge we face as a self-governing people, perhaps this new way of governing holds the promise of a better way forward. The book is Smarter Government, How to Govern for Results in the Information Age. He is tweeting at Martin O'Malley and is with us. Governor, welcome. Thanks for being here. Tim, thank you. It's it's a great honor. Thanks for having me on. You are fulfilling one of my uh, professional life ambitions, and that is to be on POTUS Radio. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Great. You've never been on before, really? I I've never been that. on before. Wow. No. Well, here we go. And uh, it would have helped in 2016, maybe, but we'll leave that for another time. <laughs> uh, any number of things might have. I would. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this, because this book, by the way, as I mentioned as we were getting ready to go on the air, it's a beautiful book. It is a Thank glossy you. book. It is a, a soft cover, but it has a lot of uh, uh, graphs. It has a lot of pictures. It has an awful lot of uh, boxes of information. But... I think the key here is that it goes into an area where maybe some of us are not necessarily that comfortable, but it's a way you see as a more efficient way of handling government. Part of it is data and information, but it is data in a much more concentrated and, and, and modern way. Talk about that a little bit. Sure. Tim, there's a crisis in Western government today, Western democracy, and that crisis in Western democracy is democracy itself. Whether we can still deliver as rational, self-governing people the things of the republic that make a republic worth keeping and having, uh, better health for ourselves and our families, uh, safety, clean air, clean water, against the dark backdrop that is the declining trust in our national government, there is a really bright story emerging, and it is through the prism, if you will, of the rise of smart cities all around the globe. And the core of a, of a smart city is our ability to uh, better govern ourselves. Uh, what do I mean? There are two new technologies that have come about in a, in a flash of, a, of an instant, historically speaking, and that is the ability to combine once separate data sets onto one common platform, a map, geographic information systems that have given us the ability to model, measure, and map dynamic systems, whether those systems are the education of our children or reducing pollution into our streams and our, our, our estuaries or, or improving the health of our air and ultimately reversing global warming. All of these things, these, these powers we now have through technology, require at the same time, though, a shift in management and leadership thinking from 240 years of tradition that said uh, people who uh, that leaders should not set public goals with deadlines and leaders should not share information we have to turn that on its head and that's what men and women leading America's cities and cities around the world are doing they embrace the new rules of openness, transparency, of uh, sharing information rather than hoarding information, declaring public goals with public deadlines so that all of us can see 
which actions are actually working and which are not. It is a fundamentally entrepreneurial way of governing, and I believe that it holds the key to restoring our faith not only in our government, but more importantly, our faith in one another. You uh, you do write that, that we are looking at a shift in the what you call the positional uh, advantage of the leader high atop the hierarchy of command. So I guess you're saying we're going to be more bottom-up than top-down. Yeah, I think it's center out. It's interesting. You know, I've, I've been doing a couple of things for the last few years. One is I'm, I, I work with mostly newly elected mayors and governors through um, Grant Thornton Advisors, helping them bring forward these new systems of performance management. But the other thing that I've been doing is I've spent a lot of time on various college campuses. And when our young people, in the United States anyway, and all of my teaching has been in the United States, talk about leadership, they talk about the leader at the center not the leader at the top, <laughs> as some older people uh, among us, including myself, mm-hmm. tend to do, but they talk about the leader in the center. And that's the place where an effective leader needs to be. She needs to use her power at the center of that circle to convene people to focus on that latest emerging truth and give permission to ask the question, is what we're doing to improve public safety or public education or or to restore the health of our waters, is it working or is it not? And how can we work together better to achieve our goals? That's the essence of collaborative leadership. It's not top-down, the rule of because I said to do it. It's more the rule from the center out of because I can show you it works. To that point, again, uh, the former mayor of Baltimore, former governor, Martin O'Malley, who's now a senior advisor for Smart Governance with Grant Thornton. The book uh, that we are discussing this morning is Smarter Government, How to Govern for Results in the Information Age. Uh, I want to ship, just jump right ahead to one of the chapters you have, A New Way of Policing, because obviously there have been, there's been a reevaluation of your time when you were the mayor of Baltimore, a time of great violence and upheaval in the city of Baltimore. And you talk about how we need to look forward on... Uh, how we deal with policing, for example, using CompStat, which you call the beginning of a new way of policing in the United States. It was also the beginning of a new way of governing. And you mentioned somebody by the name of Jack Maple. Maybe you could expand on that a little, because I know this is one of the things that a lot of people hit you on when you were running for president and and in subsequent years about how to handle this sort of a problem. Yeah, sure. Uh, where to begin in unpacking all of that? I was When I was elected mayor of Baltimore in 1999, our city had become, them, the most violent, addicted, and abandoned city in America. But we saw up the road, uh, that road being I-95, in New York City, a new way of policing was actually making New York safer and safer every single year, even as our city was becoming more bloody and more dangerous. Comstat. The ability to uh, the ability to see when and where crime is actually happening, put it on a map, and bring your command staff on a regular, recurring cadence of accountability and collaboration to deploy officers to prevent that crime, to to solve that crime, uh, to share best practices with one another, not once a year as part of an annual budget, but every day and every two weeks in a recurring cadence. That was called ComStat. That went very horizontal, very viral, and almost every major city in America today has some form of ComStat using the map and the real-time information, you know, not 
the old, uh, uh, some of us are old enough to remember the old detective series and Dragnet, where you see uh, some guy on light duty in the police station putting pins and a push pins and a styrofoam map about data that's six months old on where crime was happening, burglaries, rapes, robberies. No, instead with Comstat, it became immediate, it became real, and it became something that they were able to deploy, redeploy, and adapt to every single day. The innovator of that was a guy named Jack Maple, who uh, I was very blessed and fortunate to have been able to recruit to Baltimore for his final tour of duty as a consultant to help me take that approach citywide. We called it CityStat, C-I-T-I-S-T-A-T. If you were to Google that word CityStat, you'd see it pop up in cities all around the country and all around the world. It is that shift again from the usual annual budget cycle to instead asking every day uh, whether or not we're delivering the services that citizens are asking for. And on the more complex problems, say uh, eradicating lead poisoning of our, 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 our kids uh, in substandard housing or improving test scores, it's, uh, it's a, a way to get inside the turning radius of really complex problems. Just because they're complex doesn't mean that they cannot be understood. They can if we use the data, the measures, the map, and drive leading actions to, uh, to achieve our goals. So we also took that statewide, called it StateStat, and it was because of StateStat and its progeny BayStat that last year the health of the waters of the Chesapeake Bay were the healthiest they've been since 1985 by objective uh, measures and, and criteria. It didn't happen, though, Tim, by wishing or hoping it so. Mm-hmm. It happened by gathering people relentlessly with a discipline and a practice to focus, in this instance, the bay, on those 34 actions that are most impactful that we can take on land to reduce the flow of nitrogen, phosphorus, and sediment into the bay, upgrading our wastewater treatment plants, uh, moving from uh, doing cover crops on 100,000 acres a year of of farmland to 435,000 acres of farmland. And it didn't happen just by, you know, an annual process. It was every month in the state we were there asking ourselves and asking one another, what are we doing that works and how can we do it better and faster? You also talk in the book about how it works with healthcare and so on, but I, I wonder, one of the great challenges, it seems, is that while data is a wonderful thing, number one, it seems to be unequally distributed. That is, there are some who have more access to the data, the information, et cetera. And number two, you still have bureaucracy. You have people. And data and people don't often mix very well. There is always that sense of trying to uh, coalesce power or to try to keep little fiefdoms in place. And you can run into this, I know, as mayor and as the governor. So how do you get around that aspect of the issue of governance? Ah, you know, leadership is still the great variable. Uh, and it's really the the commitment of, of the leader to use that power that, that that he or she still has, even in the information age when so many other powers have been stripped away. Only the leader has the ability to convene people on a regular recurring basis. Only the leader has the ability to stick her neck out on the line and say, this is a public goal, and this is the deadline by which we are going to achieve this goal. And only the leader has the ability, really, to lift up and recognize the other leaders in the organization. 
Some people from afar, when they heard about this new system, and even reporters that would come in to observe, uh, wanted to liken it to a firing squad where the underperformers are put in front of the mayor's staff and given Mm -hmm. a blindfold and a cigarette. But that's not really what it was about. It was about lifting up the leaders so that everyone in the organization could see who was doing uh, things very well, who was achieving at the highest levels, and learn from one another. It's what teachers call um, uh, pedagogy, uh, uh, sharing the best practices and the best techniques. That's what we did uh, in policing, and we put Baltimore on a path, by the way, for the biggest crime reduction of any major city in America over the next 10 years. And probably one of the, the proofs most positive that it actually worked is the fact that when Baltimore stopped doing the things that worked, including policing the police, that, roll, that rock started to roll back down the hill. Uh, so it's really about to overcome that bureaucratic uh, uh, inertia. You have to lift up the leaders so that the 80% of us in the middle who could lean back towards the slackers instead lean forward to the leaders. And it's in that tilt in a large human organization that nation-leading progress is made. I want to, uh, and we're going to be out of time, but I did want to get to uh, progress here because you have this great quote from Robert Kennedy. It's talking about measuring progress. The gross national product does not allow for the health of our children, the quality of their education, Mm. or the joy of their play. It does not include the beauty of our poetry, of the strength of our marriages, the intelligence of our public debate, or the integrity of our public officials. You talk about the GPI, the Genuine Progress Indicator. I know we don't have a lot of time, but can you explain how you would use that to measure progress in these cities? Yeah, I I don't think any Americans ever said it better than Robert Kennedy did in that quote. Um, uh, Our attempt in in Maryland was to create a genuine progress index that looked at not only the, you know, state product or not only employment levels, but to look at a more holistic measure of whether we were making this place of ours, in our case, Maryland, uh, safer, healthier, cleaner, better place with more opportunity So we looked not only at job creation, which was goal number one, but we also looked at the health of the waters of the bay. Uh, We looked at the progress we were making to improve uh, the quality of our air. Uh, And and a lot of those goals had to do with energy and uh, increasing our renewable energy you know, portfolio, the percentage of our our electricity that comes from renewable sources. We also looked at traffic congestion and the amount of time we waste on the roads that we could be spending uh, doing meaningful work or spending meaningful time with our families. It's those more holistic measures. You know, Tim, I, I sense a, a shift in the narrative going on uh, all around the world, and it is from the, the old narrative of growth for the sake of growth, you know, consumption for the sake of consumption, bigger, 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 more more and more. Instead, the new narrative is all around uh, greater health and well-being of all, uh, including the other living systems of this planet uh, upon whose lives our lives depend. So uh, it's about genuine progress in the in the sense of, in that American revolutionary sense, it's, you know, for ourselves and our posterity. It's uh, to improve the general welfare. It's to improve our ability to live uh, life most, most, more fully, you know. It's about the majus. It's about the more, uh, but the more in a, a holistic and, and healthier way that promotes greater well-being for all. 
Governor, I appreciate you coming in. We could go on, but the yeah, our time hey, is limited. Thank you. But we we should do it at another point. But thank you. We wanted to focus on the book again. The book is uh, is called Smarter Government: How to Govern for Results in the Information Age. Governor Martin O'Malley, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Tim. Better days are coming. Former Governor O'Malley is tweeting at Martin O'Malley.